the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast, we like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks for all. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. and we are here to take your phone calls six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter. Feel free to do so. Just use hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Hashtag Narn Show for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in and hope you all have a blessed, or hope you all are having a blessed Easter weekend. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, I've got a lot to get to on today's show, uh, the Easter edition of The Closer. The Easter edition of the Closer edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, if you can follow along with that. Uh, boy, a lot of news this past week. I, I was saying, I, I think I need a three-hour show. I'm tempted to kind of invoke a third hour, just do like a Facebook Live, but we'll, we'll try to get everything in in a couple of hours. Uh, a lot has my blood boiling, and, and I, I feel kind of guilty about that because, you know, it's, it's Easter Sunday. We should try to have uh, a little decorum and... You know, commemorate what this uh, holiday is all about. Of course, the resurrection of uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, so I'm going to try to uh, again maintain a sense of decorum, but a lot has me really, uh, really irritated <laughs> this week. Um, so we'll we'll save some of that for later in the show. But I do want to uh, talk about the uh, trial of Derek Chauvin, of course, the former Minneapolis police officer accused of uh, killing George Floyd. He's uh, being brought up on a handful of charges, uh, second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and I believe second-degree manslaughter. Uh, how the witness testimony started this past week, and there's been a number of witnesses we've heard from. Obviously, one was the young man who was the cashier at the Cup Foods that took the counterfeit $20 bill from uh, George Floyd and kind of giving his perspective out of, out of all, how all that unraveled. Uh, that one really, um, that one, that particular testimony kind of stuck with me because it was very obvious that the young man was struggling with what he, I don't know, he perceived maybe as, what he could have done differently, and if he would have done something differently, perhaps George Floyd would be alive today. 
it was kind of heartbreaking to listen to. If you weren't following the testimony, that, so this young man who took the phony $20 bill, apparently the manager of this Cup Foods realized it was counterfeit and said, you know, hey, that group that was just in here that passed this uh, phony uh, $20 bill to buy cigarettes, yeah, they're still out in the truck across the street. Why don't you, uh, why don't you go confront them and you know, bring them back in the store? We need to get this straightened out. Well, first of all, what kind of store manager sends a 19-year-old kid out to the, to a customer like that who passed a twenty counterfeit $20 bill? You know, that's that's the question I have. And secondly, this young man, I forget his name. I don't, I don't have the story right in front of me. I'm just kind of going off memory. But he basically said, look, I, I was, I was um, fully willing to, you know, uh, pay the uh, $20 myself, you know, at, you know, to get a store credit, you know, him being an employee, he can, he can, you know, he can charge things on his store credit account and then it's taken out of his paycheck. I used to work at a convenience store. I'm assuming that's still how it works. And he said, had I done that, you know, it would have been taken care of. And, you know, these folks would have just gone on their way. But my, you know, if, if someone passes a counterfeit bill, I mean, Aren't you under some sort of obligation, maybe to call law enforcement? I, you know, I think so. But the point is, had the, this young man thinking, you know, had I done that, George Floyd might be alive today. And then you had <clears throat> a, a young lady who is a, a, a firefighter. You know, she was off-duty firefighter, and you know, witnessed uh, the situation taking place and had a real contentious uh, back and forth with uh, the defense defense attorney, Eric Nelson. And I, I think at one point the judge had to dismiss the jurors and uh, kind of tell the young lady or um, kind of admonish young lady, you know, you need to exercise this amount of decorum, you know, back and forth, try to keep the emotion out of this, which, you know, when you're rewatching the video of George Floyd being under the knee of Officer Derek Chauvin, it's really hard to, you know, kind of keep your emotions in check. So I get that. But there are a couple of aspects I want to focus on, one which could be damning to Officer Chauvin and another which could provide reasonable doubt. I think from a legal standpoint, now again, this is someone, something an attorney friend of mine told me, from a legal standpoint, second-degree murder should not happen. From what I understand, second-degree murder is when you kill somebody when you're in the process of committing another felony. So what other felony was Derek Chauvin committing? He was in the process of doing his job, and, and, and a police department has a certain threshold where they can use force to to detain a suspect, okay, or to rein in a suspect that is resisting. There is a use of force statute. Now, I know since this incident, the city has kind of revised that a little bit, so it's kind of taken uh, some of the officer's ability to use a certain amount of force and that could be a problem going forward. And the crime rate in the city of Minneapolis skyrocketing certainly reflects that. It's probably going to be a problem going forward. But I digress. But what was the felony? What 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 was the felony that Derek Chauvin was committing when he killed George Floyd? You know that that's that's what they're going to have to hash out. But one uh, piece of testimony was by uh, the. Uh, one member in particular of the Minneapolis Police Department, and this is from uh, Katrina Pross 
of the Pioneer Press, uh, Lieutenant Richard Zimmerman, a Minneapolis police officer for nearly 40 years who leads the department's homicide unit, said he has never been trained to kneel on a suspect's neck while the person is handcuffed behind the back, which Chauvin did during Floyd's fatal arrest on May 25th. Zimmerman said he considers that to be, quote-unquote, deadly force. Well, let me back up here. First of all, I think the defense is going to argue the knee was technically on the lumbar, like the upper back, technically not the neck. Now, you know, again, they're going to are these are semantics, maybe, but this is, I think, that the line of uh, argument they're going to put forth here in this testimony, but we'll see. Uh, here's a quote from Zimmerman. If your knee is on a person's neck, that can kill him, said Zimmerman, who responded to the 38th Street and Chicago Avenue later in the night after Floyd's arrest there by Chauvin and three other officers. Zimmerman said the risk of an officer getting hurt goes down substantially once a suspect has been handcuffed. He added that when people are handcuffed and on their stomach, the chest muscles are pulled backward, which can further restrict breathing. Anyone placed in such a prone position must be reposited soon, he said. Zimmerman also testified that he saw no reason for why the officers felt they were uh, in danger if that's what they felt, and that's what they would have had to feel to be able to use that kind of force. He also testified that officers have a duty to provide care for a person in distress, even if an ambulance has been called. Officers kept restraining Floyd with Chauvin kneeling on his neck, another kneeling on Floyd's back, and a third holding his feet until the paramedics arrived, even after he became unresponsive. So when I initially saw this video, that was the first question I had. It's like, look, the guy's on, you know, and again, I, I don't know the physical aspect of this or the medical aspect of this or the ramif- medical ramifications of this. But when I first saw this video and saw George Floyd on his stomach and obviously he handcuffed behind his back and one of the officers holding his legs, it's like, what, what was the point of kneeling on his neck or kneeling on his or upper back, whatever argument that the defense is going to go with? I mean, he's already detained. He wasn't going anywhere. And the only thing I could think of is because he was, he had a significant amount of fentanyl in his system, and it was very obvious by the uh, the surveillance camera footage inside the Cup Foods when he was pat- initially passing that counterfeit bill that he was a, that he was high, very obvious. And so once he became agitated when he was confronted by officers, you know he was he was constantly flopping around, agitated, what have you, and. The only thing I could think of is maybe they were trying to hold him still because, you know, while he was on his stomach with handcuffs behind his back and rolling around like that, perhaps they were concerned he was going to do harm upon himself. Again, I don't know if the defense is going to bring that line of argument forth, but that was the only rationale I could think of for them, you know, detaining him in that manner. Uh, the cry, Let's uh, got a couple minutes left in the segment. Let's uh, look at the cross-examination of this particular aspect. Uh, Chauvin's defense attorney, Eric Nelson, cross-examined Zimmerman and asked him to agree that because he is a high-ranking officer who doesn't wear a uniform every day, his current job differs from an average patrol officer. He also had Zimmerman confirm that he has not recently undergone training in the police academy and that if an officer is fighting for his life, he can improvise and use force to protect himself. While undergoing further questioning from Prosecutor Matthew Frank, Zimmerman said while he has not been in the academy since he became an officer, he is trained on use of force every year. 
He also agreed with Frank that Chauvin kneeling on Floyd's neck for 9 minutes, 29 seconds was not improvising. Chauvin, who is white, really? Breaking news, uh, <laughs> is charged with second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter from the Memorial Day arrest of Floyd after he attempted to pass a counterfeit $20 bail to corner market. Floyd was black, again, breaking news, uh, and widely circulated video of his death sparked protests and rioting in the Twin Cities and elsewhere, along with an international reckoning on the relationship between police and and people of color. Chauvin and the three other officers who arrested Floyd were all fired. The other three also faced charges and an August trial. Well, here's 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 the thing uh, I'm I'm wondering. From what I understand, the only reason second degree murder was brought forth was that they could charge the other three officers with co uh, as co-conspirators. Well, if Chauvin is not found guilty of second degree murder, what what other charges are these three officers going to face? Because then the co-conspirator aspect would go out the window, right, if I'm understanding this? Uh, anyways, I'll, I'll wrap this aspect of it up. Uh, the defense has argued that Chauvin did what he was trained to do when he encountered Floyd, who resisted being placed in a squad car, and that his death was caused not by the knee on his neck, as prosecutors contend, but by drugs, uh, his underlying health conditions, and adrenaline, and autopsy found fentanyl and methamphetamine in his system. Now, I remember there was an initial autopsy report that came out that indicated that Floyd did die of asphyxiation. And then there was an alternate autopsy report that came out that said the knee on the neck uh, exacerbated these conditions and caused the death. So there are two different, there are also two different autopsy reports that are out there. So there, the, the uh, bright light is going to be shown on the toxicologists and the coroners and whomever else uh, once uh, they, they get brought forth. So, uh, this sounds pretty damning for Chauvin, but there was, uh, speaking of the fentanyl and methamphetamine in Floyd's system, uh, there was a court document that was also presented that could perhaps provide reasonable doubt. And again, reasonable doubt is all Chauvin is going to need in order to not be convicted of second-degree murder. So when we come back, we'll talk about that aspect of it. Uh, 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Brad Carlson and Closer coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere.